You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Welcome to episode 143 of the Self-Made Strategies <laughs> podcast. On this episode, we sat down with Rob Mickles, co-founder, director, cinematographer, and editor of 360 Digital Studios. Hey, Rob, what's going on, man? Hey, Tony. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. We, uh, we've collaborated on a bunch of projects together. Um, you are an awesome, awesome filmmaker. You've got your film Off Time coming out soon, which we'll talk about in this episode as well. But your, your uh, studio is based out in Croydon, Pennsylvania, which is where we are joining you. So if you're listening to this, you can also go watch this version on YouTube. There's a wide angle shot of us. We've got all our gear here. We've got R Rob's red monstro behind him, <laughs> which Rob's a little bit upset yeah, about. It, it, it should be in the trash right now. <laughs> I mean. He's saying that jokingly because Red released a new camera today. So, um, but yeah, so your studio's in Croydon. Video production's taking you all over the world, but you're typically in the Philly, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, D.C., Texas, California, Vegas, and Florida areas. Those are your main stamping grounds. Yeah, that, that, that seems like the uh, the more often places that we, we find ourselves. Yeah, pretty cool. So we're going to talk about your projects, how you've come up as a filmmaker, how 360 Digital came to came into life, how you came up with that concept with your partner, Brian. And, um, and we'll talk a little bit about your movie and some of the experience that you've had. And also, one of the things that I find interesting is that at least locally, you know, Mike from 115 Films, who's behind me on, on our camera here, Mike can wave if, if you can see him on camera right now. So Mike is with us. He's, he's helping us DPing this episode. Um, and we've all worked together on a, on a bunch of spec shoots together. And you always show up with the red camera gear. So uh, we'll get into that as well, mm -hmm. how you've invested, what your strategy has been throughout. But Let's start with how you got started in filmmaking to begin with, and then how that eventually led to 360. Um, well, I guess I I, I started with the I I wanted to be a filmmaker probably since I was like six when I saw Jurassic Park and and uh, I remember for the first time there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of like behind the scenes like specials on Jurassic Park when, when the movie came out, like on like ABC or whatever, like right. would, would air like a special or the making of Jurassic Park. And I was like, wow, that's actually a job. Like I, I kind of want to do that. Cause even, even as like a young kid, like three, four years old, like my dad had like a video camera that I would always want to like play around with and, and things like that. So, um, pretty much like grew up just like shooting stuff, playing around with cameras and drawing and things like that. And just really being into movies and, and, um, I think, uh, probably when high school rolled around, like kind of got a little bit more serious with it and did, uh, kind of, uh, partnered up with, uh, with Brian and we, we, Brian Bentz, my uh, business partner, and we kind of found it 360 in like 2001. Wow. Uh, that's, that's I, way I back. I think I was in like ninth grade. He was in 10th grade. 
we've known each other since like fifth grade. Um, so we, we, we started kind of like just making like jackass type sure, type videos right. and yep. skits of whatever. Um, and then while we were still in high school, we, we got hired to do a lot of, uh, independent pro wrestling videos. Wow. Really? And we would sell them at, at the, the show the following month to sell the videos. Um, and then we, we got hired for like little things. Like we went to a Catholic school, um, from fifth to eighth grade for him, but it was second through eighth grade for me. And, uh, they like hired us to do like videos and stuff like that. So wow. it was, it was a very like part-time thing mm-hmm. through high school and, uh, and college. And then once college was done for me, we decided to kind of go full time with it. We, we had the opportunity to, to shoot, um, online content for VH1 of like their reality show wow. stars. Wow. So we moved to New York for the summer and shot a few pilots and and uh some online content and i guess the early days of like youtube really taking off and everything like that back in like 2008 2009 and uh i guess the rest is history from there right of course it just builds from there so yeah. what what did you go to college for i went went to the art institute of philadelphia for uh they called it digital media production but it was basically film and Filmmaking. television right <laughs> of course um but yeah, I, I, I kind of regret it um, because of all the loans. But at the same time, I, I I had a good experience while while I was in college, right? And, and uh, because I was so interested, and the professors like saw that they would like teach me things that they didn't teach the rest of the class, right? So like I would get like a lot of like insider like tips. The, the rest of the class because they were just there just because their parents made them go to school and they thought why not film film would be right. an easy easy way out you know um i kind of got the little bit of extra knowledge because i was i was interested so yeah no that's cool so when did you guys start acquiring red cameras and we'll we'll talk a little bit about what that means for those of you who are listening that don't know red is a very high-end camera brand they just came out with a new one today so rob is sulking a little bit because he's gonna have to spend a lot more money but uh but red has a very high-end uh range of cameras what was your first red and why did you invest in that um it it my uh i guess relationship with uh with buying reds or, or or my first experience with red started um as i was finishing uh, college um i interned at a at a place making a history channel show um and it turned out that the director of the show was part of the team that actually brought red to life wow. so we had uh so at that show we had a red one which i believe they were, was like a beta which uh they called tattoos so they had instead of a serial number, they had a name on it. And that was like my first experience with red. Interesting. And then, uh, I guess like a, a year later when we were, when we were, uh, when we were kind of out on our own, um, 
we started running them running a red one for for music videos and then the scarlet rolled around and and uh we invested in that really early on i think the the day that it like got announced we wow we put in our our deposit and and got it a few months later and then from there just kind of kept upgrading and and now we, we we have the monstro and komodo right which, as, as part of your arsenal <laughs> which uh <laughs> which today the v-raptor came out and, and yeah and, uh it's uh shattering your dreams a little yeah. bit because you're no, gonna but, have to buy another one but uh i i still think the the monster is relevant for sure until uh until they offer like a trade-in for the for the raptor even though we might uh might end up picking one up if we can Right, bite the bullet. Now yeah. these these are extremely expensive cameras by normal standards. Mm-hmm. We people can go Google and look them up and see how much how much these cameras cost. They're very expensive. So for a budding production company, have you found a good solid ROI in investing in these really high end cameras? Are they bringing you in more gigs? And what was your thinking initially when you got the Scarlet? Because um, it's a big investment. I mean, yeah, it's not easy for for a smaller company to to acquire those types of assets. We we got the Scarlet, um, like basically to shoot off time. Wow. Okay. Like we we because we we started pre production on off time in in two thousand late two thousand eleven, right around the time the Scarlet was announced, and uh, we're like we were initially going to just shoot it on like a seven D and have like somebody that the that the writer went to high school be star in it and we were luckily we were like you know what let's let's try to like do this for real and we uh we luckily bought the uh, scarlet and shot it with that and and I I feel like the cinema even though most of the movie was shot 9 years ago right uh with it it feels like the the cinematography still holds up. I mean, it be it would be a much better looking movie if it was shot now, but it it still holds up. Uh, still able to do a, a 4K HDR finish on it, and luckily we went with the uh, actual SAG actor to keep it relevant and to keep the the level of acting right good. I guess. Right. And for those of you who are listening, who, who've never been a part of a film project that goes mm-hmm. to show you that film projects frequently take yeah. easily nine, 10, 11 years from beginning inception of the idea, principal photography, when cameras yeah. roll to finishing the film, literally like coming up with a finished version of yeah. it and editing. So, I mean, amazing that you've been able to pull that especially, off. Especially, especially passion projects that you're right. Side hustling, using all your own, right. All right. your own money. And, and I think the the hang up with with this film is that we've just been getting busier and busier over the years with like our actual like paid client work. Right. That unfortunately the movie got right. on the it back has burner. To, has to. But yeah. right. I would say quality wise, like the quality of like the edit hasn't suffered due to that. How many passes have you done at editing it? way too many <laughs> because there there was nobody like breathing down my neck other than like i guess potential potential uh fans of the movie right that found out about it through our kickstarter that we did or or just through like word of mouth or through social media um 
those have been like the only people that are breathing down our neck. There's no like money people because that's us, you know, right. like, right. So you've self-funded the project essentially for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Like the, 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 um, initial chunk of, of money that we started with was, uh, from the, from the writer. And then from there, like probably about two years, like everything that we made almost went into, right. Of went course. in the movie went into the movie and i think uh we've we've gone to invest a a lot into it and uh we'll either break even or 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 it'll be a win if if people see it and and we get to do another film on somebody else's dime (laughs) right of course and the film is called off time you'll be able to find it soon you're wrapping up the the final production on it when are you thinking about you're doing a festival release i guess right we're going to try to see how many festivals we can get in, mm-hmm. uh, see if we can find some dis- distribution through that. Uh, worst case scenario, we self-distribute through a few uh, aggregators. And, right, online and stuff and like that. get yep. it on Netflix, get it on whatever. Yeah. Chances are we're probably not going to break even if, if it goes uh, goes that route, but at least people will be able to see it. Right, know? right. Now, what... Um, what is your your uh, story about what's off time about for those who are listening that might be interested in checking it out and where can they find the film? The film I, I always describe it as chasing Amy meets Garden State, two of my favorite movies, and uh, basically it's about a budding actor who uh, I guess falls in love with a. 17 year old and the fallout from that i guess right cool interesting yeah and and so you've taken roughly nine to ten years you've pretty much self-funded it by self-funding it do you mean have you actually paid yourself out of the project or did the kickstarter funds basically just cover the majority of the expenses and then your own time invested Um, otherwise the kickstarters kind of covered some of post um but for the most part, yeah, it's 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 been a lot of money just that came out of our yeah client your work, own you know? your own pockets yeah, yeah exactly. So who was the writer on the project and how did you find the project to begin with? Um, the writer was a guy named Matt Cantor, uh, talented writer. This is the only thing he's, he's really written, but um, I hope that. The movie's enough of a success that he keeps writing. I met him through somebody I used to work at Best Buy with about a year or so after I stopped working at Best Buy because we pursued 360 full time. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped in Best Buy and and a guy I knew from there was like, my cousin's uh, writing a movie and he, he would like to probably talk to you about like actually getting it made. Um, would you be interested if, if, if I gave him your information? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we, we, we met this guy kind of hit it off. He was interesting guy. And, and, uh, he gave us his script to read. The script was, was kind of rough, rough. And, uh, but we saw something there we mm-hmm. were like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's do this. And then he, he did like a rewrite within like a week. Wow. And the movie was like. 10 times better like oh, or the script great. was like that's 10 great. times better yeah. so this was probably november 2011 
Wow. And I think we actually like shot the first shot in like April wow. of 2012. Wow. Now, the the question that I have for you, and, and hopefully it's interesting to the listeners as well, is when you're doing a project like that, especially when you're on a, a relatively limited budget, so you've got to get everything you can as cheaply as you can, of course, and you got to try and negotiate and hustle things and maybe even, you know, get the actors a little skin in the game there, right, to, to keep them interested. Mm-hmm. How do you keep people interested in a nine to 10 year project? How do you keep people motivated and, and in the zone with getting the thing across the finish line? Because, you know, they are also part of when you're working on an indie film like that. Yeah. You need everyone that was a part of that film to continue to be your cheerleader yeah. until you get to the finish line and then pass that, right? To keep them kind of, yeah, because they're your best means of sales and distribution and word mm-hmm. of mouth and organic reach and all that stuff. Yeah. So how do you keep them in the game in general, you know, throughout? Because the actors are done. They wrap in mm-hmm. that first year around 2013. And then you've got that whole time until now while you're just editing and working on the project and keeping people kind of in the loop. So what's your your process individually to keep people engaged and just say, hey, guys, like this is still a thing. We're still working on it. It hasn't disappeared. You know, we're going to get it across the finish line. Whenever there's like a major like update, I'll like put that out on like there's like a Facebook page for right. the for the uh, for the movie. And then I'll put it on like the the companies like Facebook and, and Instagram. But for the most part, I, I feel like uh our leads have been pretty invested in it because Adam, it's his first movie that he, that he's done. He did, uh, after, after being in, in school and kind of quitting acting for a while. Um, so like we, we were the first people to like kind of give him a chance to come back into the, into the business. And I think he, he's done a few things since then we really got a good performance out of him and I, I think he knows that. So he, he's pretty invested in it. And, uh, Valerie, the, the female lead, uh, was like her first movie as far as I know. So she's still pretty invested in it. And then the crew was pretty much like three or four of us. Like, right. so, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously we're, we're all going to be in, invested in it and we want to see it through and, nice. and, uh, and keep it going but hopefully the 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 people that that had interest in it through like seeing it on facebook or whatever eight years ago or or nine years ago still have the interest when they see that it comes out on netflix or amazon or whatever you know right they see it pop up if if the if they didn't already like know from social media hopefully they see it pop up on their on their feed and and watch it. <laughs> right. So. so when you're when you're working on the project, you, you obviously have to inject your own creativity. You were working the camera for the entirety of it, right? Mm-hmm. You were the DP. Yep. Um, and now in editing, of course, you have to re-sort of bring a different eye to yep. it. And I think what I find interesting about that is you're kind of close to the project, obviously, because mm-hmm. you shot it. So. Yeah. And then in the editing room, you almost have to put yourself in a different mindset yeah. to, to be really critical of yourself. Yeah. So where does that creativity come from for you in both of those situations? And how do you separate yourself in, and become these two different versions of Robert L. Mickles? That's a good question. I don't know if I, I, I really do like 
because in a way I'm I'm kind of editing as I'm shooting, mm-hmm. right? As well, because like a, it's like oh well, I'm not going to need that line from from this angle, so right. I'm not going to shoot it, right? You know, right? And sometimes I'll like curse myself <laughs> when I when I get sit down to edit, but for the most part, I I think it's all. Like between what if if I'm directing, DPing, and and editing a project, it's all like it's all all mind. those sides of all me are, are working together at the same time. So, but where do you find your your creativity for for giving it that creative eye, and and to what degree, and what's your approach with? Was the writer on on set at all, or oh was, yeah, he, yeah. He, so he was he was heavily involved. Uh, so that can be sometimes a yeah. little bit difficult, right? Because obviously it's his creative baby and he has a certain yeah. vision. And so how do you, you know, where does your creativity come from? And then how do you collaboratively say, you know, I think we should shoot it this way or. Um, I think he, he, he was very, for the most part, he was very trusting with the, with the material. Um, Cause it's the first time he was ever involved in anything like that. Um, but it, it it was actually kind of helpful in some cases to be like, where where in your mind when you wrote this, where where was the character coming from? Because you can't always get that off of just like reading a script. It's right. like it's like I'll have one idea for for something, and 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 then he'll be like, well, when I when I wrote this, I was thinking this, and I'm like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. And then also there's things that like I put in there directing it that he was like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Like, that's awesome. Like, I, I love that. So it's interesting. It, it, it was a very interesting collaboration. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. So, um, hopefully that answered your question. No, it know. does. It does. And, and when you're editing, right, what, what is your creative process in that sense? And I know you shoot to edit and a lot of it mm-hmm. is like, when every time you fire back up the editing software, you're sort of sort of reseeing it and kind of almost in a nostalgic way reliving yeah. it while you're editing it. But what's your creative process while you're editing it? Are you trying to view the film from the eye of your target audience? And yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm also like looking for things that that I didn't see before. You know, if if that makes any sense, right? Kind of finding things that. I didn't know was there or just pulling things that weren't there out of nowhere just by cutting it a certain way or, or whatever. There's like a, there's a, there's a scene in the film and I don't want to give too much away where Mm -hmm. it's like this character is in this certain situation and it's like, we kind of don't know why he's in that situation. And then I like made something through editing that answered that question smart that right it's it's not something that we shot not something that was not something that was scripted but through creative editing i was able to make it to answer that question for the audience of that if that makes sense yeah so so that that i'll drill without a little, give, without yeah, giving too much yeah away. without giving it away I'll, I'll drill a little deeper though in the actual process though so while you're editing it right you're you're obviously rewatching the takes you've got multiple mm-hmm. takes all these things moving parts what is your actual mental process of of saying to yourself like take a step back put yourself in mm-hmm. the shoes of the viewer 
and wait a minute, this doesn't make sense or there's a gap here. How does that work for you? I guess what I'm really trying to get to is how did they screw up Game of Thrones so bad? So that, I, <laughs> that could I, be a whole I other have, thing. I've not watched a frame of Game of Thrones. It's just not my thing. So I couldn't tell you. No, I'm kidding. I, I really but, wanted to know know about your your process. But yeah, um, basically, it's it's just wanting to. It's just how do I tell this story best? How do I make everybody involved look the best that they can look? Um get the best performances uh, from the actors, get the best angles that I shot. Or if, if it's, if I'm editing something that I didn't shoot, which is Mm. rare, but does happen. Right. How do I get the best of what they shot to make that cinematographer look good or or that director look good and that the talent look good and uh, get the best sound to, (laughs) to make the, the sound recorders look good. And I would imagine, though, that throughout a long process like that, that at times you can beat yourself up about getting to the finish line. Right. So how do you fight your own demons? How do you kick back the voice in your head that's saying, you know, maybe this, you know, that's that's bringing negativity. How do you push that back and stay positive so that you can focus on this huge long term goal? It's a it's a constant struggle. But like when when I actually see things come together and 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 or if I like show Brian or, or, or Pat was one of the other guys that, uh, that often helps us out. Pat Woodruff. Um, we've known him since fifth grade or whatever, but Mm -hmm. as well. But, uh, if I show them guys like something and they, they really react to it, like that kind of gets me motivated to keep, keep going, you know? Um, or if, if it gets a reaction out of me after seeing it, a million times more than anybody will ever see it probably. Um, then I know like I'm doing something right. Right. So right. it's just, uh, I, I, I do get down and, and be like, Oh, well this movie's going to suck or, or what I'm doing sucks or my work sucks or whatever. And, and that might've been some of what, what delayed post on this movie. Sure. And, and, probably does for a lot of people exactly yeah uh in in similar situations making similar films in a similar way you know um but for the most part when 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 i see things come together and and it feels like a real movie or it feels like a real whatever then that's that's motivation to that's that's more than enough motivation that to get it over the finish line keep going to the next step yeah no that's a i think a great perspective and and you do do great work by the way and and one of the most collaborative people that i know and and you always show up and and uh you're a fantastic cinematographer and i i I really do think the stuff you shoot's great um and great advice for anyone who's listening that's kind of fighting their own demons and we all do as you said that's Mm -hmm. that's part of it so when you're putting yourself out there even initially how do you get past, you know, sort of that initial hesitation or apprehension to say, you know, I'm just going to put my work out there and it is what it is. And mm-hmm. some people are going to love it. Some people are not going to love it. Right. We talked about that mm-hmm. with the the red stuff. And we were talking about the Entourage movie, which we all like, yeah. but a lot of people poo poo that film. Yeah. And um, and, you know, we agree that what are you expecting if you're watching the Entourage yeah. movie and you don't like it? What are you expecting? Yeah. But so how do you get past that initial thing? How do you even at the beginning just say, 
you know, I'm going to put this out there and see what, what happens. I mean, a, a lot of, uh, what's been put out there has been work for clients. So I kind of have no choice, <laughs> but uh, that helps. There you go. If it's, if it's not client work and it's, and it's something that, um, something that I'm doing for me or I'm doing, or I'm working on with somebody like, if you have an idea, you kind of want to see it get made. Nice. It's like if, if something pops in into my head and I feel like it's a it's a good idea, I want to see it through. A lot of people will say that, you know, you shouldn't be telling people, show them, you know, when your product project is finished, like don't be telling people about what you're working on or don't show them the bones, you know, because, yeah. you know, somebody will hate it and that'll deject you. And in this line of work, you can't do that because you have no. to pre-produce. You have to get people involved in the project mm -hmm. early on while it's just an idea. And a lot of times unpolished, like you mm -hmm. said, like the initial script was good, but it, it just it needed more polish. And no. that's part of the filmmaking and creative process no. in general. So how do you what's your process for that saying to people like and saying to yourself, you know, I have to live in this sort of fine line gray area that's between perfection and just putting something out there. Yeah. What's, what's your process and when do you think things are ready enough in your own mind to kind of put out there? When it comes to client work, the client usually will, will dictate when it's dictate ready, dictate when it's ready or when it has to be ready. Um, but when it comes to it's, that's probably the hardest thing when it comes to like, sure passion projects and yeah. stuff that you're doing for yourself. It's like, sometimes it's like done is better than perfect. But in, in the case of, of this film, it's like, I think, I think we, we tried to perfect it as much as possible before, uh, before releasing it. Because to be honest, if, if it came out in 2013, like we originally wanted it to or 14, it would have been trash. Right. Just because I, I wasn't as good, um, mainly because I wasn't as good of an editor or director as I am today. Um, I learned a lot over the years by doing a lot of like client work and, mm -hmm. and work mm -hmm. on, on other things. And I feel like I, I really honed the craft of editing and, and directing by, and, and directing by working with other people, other directors as, as a cinematographer. Right. Um, definitely help like to observe what to do and what not to do in some cases. Right. Um, of course. And, and that definitely all that experience on, on other projects definitely helped this film a lot. And so what stopped you from releasing it back in 2013, 2014? What, what, actually prevented you from doing it just wasn't ready just the it wasn't as good as as it was supposed to be in in my mind and, and i think everybody else's mind that that was working on it um and i think now it's it's probably at the point where it's as good as it's gonna be yeah there's there's a few things that we wish we would have did differently but we were young and 
we we learned a lot in the past nine years that that it took to make the movie. So, sure. Um, I think I I really like a, a quote that I heard on like some commentary or, or behind the scenes from David Fincher. He's like, "You're never ready to make the movie until you've already made the movie." Right, and that rings true so much. Um, in my opinion, especially especially after after making this film i'm hoping that the uh that the next one we're able to do in in a year or less <laughs> <laughs> nice so when when do you think that next project's going to happen for you how quickly will you dive back in once this is finished and now in the festival circuit are you to, immediately looking to do another creative project to or? be honest yeah I'd, I, I would love to like dive in like i i kind of want to do like a proof of concept trailer like next month <laughs> nice nice um for for our next feature project and kind of want to like experiment a lot with like shorts because we we actually just uh i just dp'd a samurai short with a a new friend of mine that i've uh that i met within the past year uh setson hayes who's a talented writer and director um and that came out as probably like cinematography wise that's probably like my best the images look beautiful best which, work which people can find on your yeah. instagram if i'm not yeah, the, mistaken right yeah the the shorts called uh i think i'm pronouncing it right it's a japanese word shujin is how you I, I have it in my head how to pronounce it it just doesn't come out <laughs> right <laughs> it's s-h-u-j-i-n yeah right yeah yep which uh means prisoner in in japanese and it, that short is completed. It's out there. Is it's, it going? It's completed. To... Uh, got submitted to like twenty something festivals, and I think it it got accepted into uh, a few online festivals so Fantastic. far. Fantastic. Nice. And it's like in the Great. in the running in like the finalists for for a few competitions or whatever. So I'm I'm happy about that. Very excited about that. Pretty awesome. Um, and I'm want to do more work like that 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 i'm that happy about right that excited which i'm i'm very happy and excited about off time but that's been so long in the making that it's almost like just want it out there want people to see it and i don't want to like think about it just get it done and moving on that's cool awesome well where can people find shujin if they if they're looking for that film or off time do you have a website for that as well where people can track that um i don't think there's any websites for either yet it's 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 a bit early in the i guess festival run to really be able to be like oh you could watch it here or watch it there right um but if you follow us on on instagram or facebook we'll be sure to uh sure to post it awesome and we'll post those handles down in the show notes for anybody who's watching or listening to this uh what are those handles for someone who's listening and and won't go look at the show notes for um for the company, the the Instagram is at three sixty digital studios three six zero, and then if you search on Facebook, right three sixty three sixty digital. digital studios, it'll come up. Yep, and three sixty digital studios dot com is our is our website. Um, so you can find all that stuff on there. Awesome, Rob. Thanks for being here, man, yeah, and thanks thank for hosting you. us. Awesome space, yeah, no problem. Great thank studio you. in Croydon. So if anybody needs a studio space or a space to go record something. Yep. Rob, reach out to Rob and uh, and you can come out to Croydon. Yep. 